HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources. If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe. We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat. People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of machine? And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary. I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard-bred poultry and have my whole life. He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure. Listen to Meat and 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Sunday evening. Happy Pride and welcome to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting from Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm so excited to be interviewing Deb Eschmeyer, a dedicated and passionate food system reformer whose work has included organic farming, co-founding the national nonprofit Food Corps, and serving as the executive director of Let's Move, as well as the senior policy advisor for nutrition in the Obama administration. Currently, Deb works as the VP of Communications and Community Affairs at Danone North America. In this episode, we'll learn more about how, in each of these roles, she's worked to create a more sustainable, healthy, and just food system, and the lessons that she's learned along the way. We'll also talk more about one of her most recent projects at Danone, which is sponsoring the Slow Food Nations Festival in Denver, Colorado. Slow Food Nations, which is put on by Slow Food USA, is a festival of flavor, culture, and exploration happening from July 13th through 15th. And I'm so pleased it has brought her to the show today. Deb, welcome to Eating Matters. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. 
Um, we're so excited to have you here. Um, okay, so before we get into the work that you're doing now with the Slow Food Nations Festival in July, I want to step back and learn a little bit more about you know your journey in, in food system reform. So when did you first get involved in food and what draw you to do so? Yes, I've, I've had quite the uh, non-linear career when it comes to working in the food and ag system, but I still find it quite, um, I find it quite intentional, actually. And so I've, I've gone, by, my mission has been very clear every step of the way. It's been about making safe, healthy, delicious food available to all while restoring the connection between food, community, land, and place. And where it originally kind of my, my public health journey like really launched was in 2004 when my husband was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes just as we were ready to leave for the Peace Corps. And that was a mo- moment in my life where I had already really started to get involved in the environmental issues and humanitarian issues that I, I, I was diving then into the good food movement. And I became really passionate about nutrition and making sure everyone has access to to good food. And that then led me into a career that went from working on farm policy to school food reform to starting a nonprofit to starting an organic fruit and vegetable farm to working in the White House. You've you've done it all. <laughs> <laughs> I not exactly all, but I've definitely had a diversity of experience and I I feel like it's definitely benefited me along the way of learning what it takes to to know to to work with the grassroots and to learn and listen, very active listening about mm-hmm. what people need to ensure there's a healthy and safe food system, to then taking that into a really local experience of growing food on a farm, to then taking it into public service and really dedicating myself to ensuring that every American had access to healthy food and thinking about how we can ensure the most vulnerable in society have have access and what does this look like? And so I it's it's definitely been I feel like I'm constantly learning <laughs> mm-hmm. and that is something that's so beautiful about looking at the world through the lens of food when you look at everything from a social justice issue to to and this again gets to access to nutrition. Um, but then again looking at it from the lens of climate change and nutrition and how much we can really improve society through food. Um, okay, so you so you started with the did you go to the Peace Corps? You were you participated in the Peace Corps? Is that, is that correct? So actually when my husband was diagnosed, we were going to our, our going away party. It was three days before we were going to um, leave for Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And so, and so we ended up in the emergency room and that was when, and then, so we were medically disqualified. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we were on Sunday, I'll serve in the Peace Corps, but unfortunately uh, we, we were not able to, to go at that point. Okay. But that is when I, I really, um, that's when I really became educated around where we are with 79 million Americans who suffer from prediabetes and, mm-hmm. and there's this opportunity to really improve life through, through healthy eating practices and what does this look like and in regards to our food system and through through the government institutions that support various means of feeding the public. So instead, so you, you, so Peace Corps was on pause, but then you eventually started Food Corps. So what is this program and what does it, what does it do? Yeah. So the, the origins of, of Food Corps was, I was, I had actually been working for the National Farm to School Network prior to that. 
And I had been working with a bunch of food service directors and farmers. And I, with the other co-founders of Food Corps, we came together and we listened to around 4,000 stakeholders across the country wow. around what do you need to improve the school food system. And it, of course, there were the usual answers around funding and, and everything in between. But what was this constant drumbeat was that we needed trained human capital. And it was, and at the same time, I was really looking into AmeriCorps programs and and public service. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this this is a tremendous combination of, like, let's use public service through AmeriCorps to improve school food. And at the same time, President Obama was mm-hmm. signing the Kennedy Serve America Act into law in 2009, mm-hmm. which was to triple the amount of service members by 2017. So this, there was this momentum and this groundswell of energy around public service. And I was like, well, this is it. This is where we can, we can really combine this passion around public service and meeting the needs of the most vulnerable through our, our school food system, where we should be ensuring that the 50 million children who go to school, you know, K through 12, 13 years, 180 days a year, like what does it look like for us to ensure that they're not only getting the nutrition they need, but the education they need mm-hmm. around healthy food? And this was this was where food court. This is how it came to be. And and how long you did that for? About five years before you made your next move. Yes. Okay. Yes, that was about um, five years of heart and soul of <laughs> growing food court with uh, some tr- some of my best friends and allies, uh, Kurt Ellis and Seth Lapton, Jerusha Klumper, and this whole entire cadre of incredible uh, food food advocates and. They're truly, I could name somebody in every state who is like part of this journey because we're trying to really figure this out together. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great representation of the food movement because there was so much passion in helping to figure it out. And I just, it was really such an incredible opportunity to throw, throw ourselves into creating this entity. And where is it today? It, it, it's still, it, my understanding is that it has it continued to grow and, um, you know, is, is very successful program. So is it, um, has it, and has it changed kind of over the years since, since you started it back in 2010, was it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely grown. It's an evolved and become more, more mature. And, you know, from when in the very beginning, it was 50 AmeriCorps service members, and now it's over 200 AmeriCorps service members serving in over 18 states. And, and it's, it's grown and it's become more rigorous. The, the process of the training for the service members has only continued to improve to mm-hmm. ensure that they're getting the quality education they need before they're serving in the schools. And it's, and that that's just it. It's, it's now, you know, it's coming on to its you know, 10 years old. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and that's incredible. And what I love about it too, across the whole way is that it was all about the deep partnerships with the local nonprofits and with school districts and doing it together. Mm-hmm. And that is what speaks so profoundly about what it actually takes to make progress is you've got to ensure you have quality partnerships on the ground to ensure that you're able to carry out this program for the long term. Mm-hmm. And that that is where lies so much success and that what we need to do in this work because so much of it is deeply and inherently local in the community to make sure it's going to be lasting. It seems that's if I had maybe a theme to the to your career and the work that you've done, <laughs> it seems like one would be creating 
um, these quality partnerships, and, and you've done that kind of in a variety of roles. And most recently, um, with Slow Food Nations, the festival that you're and your company is very involved in. But um, And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I, I definitely really now want to switch to talk about your work in the White House, which is... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, like, let's just say, let's say, let's say dream job. <laughs> you were, you were, of course, the executive director of, of Let's Move. Um, and you were also the senior um, policy advisor in nutrition um, under the Obama administration, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, and for those of you who um, don't know, although I'm sure everybody listening does know what Let's Move It is, but just in case, it's a public health initiative created by First Lady Michelle Obama, um, which focused on supporting uh, healthy kids and families. So, okay, let's just dive right into this. Um, at the point of the administration when you took over, where was this initiative and its development, and what were some of the major things that you were focusing on? Yeah, and thank you for the great summary of Let's Move, by the way. Um, it, when, when I joined the team, we were, we were in the last term, and we were really focusing on how do we institutionalize the progress, how do we ensure that this work continues well beyond our time in the administration. Mm-hmm. And so already there were 10 sub-programs of Let's Move, everything from Let's Move Salad Bars of Schools to the partnership, working with the Partnership with Healthy America with over 225 corporate partnerships. But really, in, in some, you know, it was it was all about building policies and programs and partnerships with the 12 federal agencies and, and trying to improve every single federal nutrition program from the Nutrition Facts Panel to the National School Lunch Program. And it was looking across a, the entire span of the federal government mm-hmm. on what can we do and every day ensuring that we were doing it again it's like you said which i appreciate the theme of partnership mm-hmm. doing it in partnership because you can't do any of this alone and this is making sure that everybody had a role to play and this was corporations to federal government to nonprofits to academic institutions to think about okay how do we fully ensure that we're going to do everything we can to ensure the next generation has the tools that they need to succeed what do parents need to ensure that they can they can grow their kids the way that they need to ensure that they have a healthy future. And so it was it was really this everyday challenging ourselves. And I, I it is it was such an incredible privilege and quite um, quite fun actually many days from everything we did at the kids state dinner mm-hmm. of having a contest across the country where kids were competing, meeting the, the federal guidelines for nutrition and and making these unbelievably delicious meals <laughs> and having a chance to have a state dinner at the White House. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing more adorable than <laughs> seeing these kids come in and be so excited to see their dish being served. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, in the White House? I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean, I get chills just thinking about it because there's just so much joy and yeah. just, and just so much pride and the development of those recipes and what they knew they were doing in their homes and in their households and in their communities. And then it was just our role in helping to celebrate these incredible children who were taking the lead in help. Um, so, I mean, that it sounds absolutely incredible. Um, and you, you mentioned you worked to, you know, towards the end, really like institutionalizing these programs. What does that actually look like? Can you give us an example of, um, you know, of how you did that, maybe with one specific um, part of the initiative? 
You know, I think, I mean, one that's like really specific and, and very tangible is, is actually the White House kitchen garden. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had a, that was really the beginning of Mrs. Obama's uh, foray into the food nutrition space. It's where she started the conversation around healthy eating was when she first broke ground on the White House kitchen garden space back in March of 2009. Mm-hmm. And when we were looking at our final months and time there, you know, like we really want to have a dedication ceremony that we expanded the garden by one third. We made it so that there were, there was a communal table and that we, we made it so that it would be friendly to fourth graders and heads of state alike and to mm-hmm. continue to enjoy this incredible space um, for generations to come. And this, that was an, a, a really like solid example of the work that we did to ensure that this, this would continue, the conversation would continue, and that it would maintain a priority for the American public to ensure that children were at the forefront and that they, they were going to continue to ensure that having healthy food and having that education and understanding the experience of learning surrounded by gardens and the importance of it, mm-hmm. we continue to be a conversation for the American public. So that was your in your role as, you know, the executive director of Let's Move. And if, if that wasn't enough, it seemed like you, um, you know, you had two jobs, which like no big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as you're in your and obviously Let's Move is very focused on children, the next generation. But as a senior policy advisor in nutrition, what were some of the policies and priorities that were at the top of your agenda during your tenure? And, um, you know, how successful would you say? I mean, that you know, that's a very broad statement. But like, can you point to a couple? that were priority issues, um, you know, during your tenure and kind of where you were at with them when the administration ended? Yeah, no, thank you for asking. I'm always happy to talk about this. I love it. Are you um, kidding? This is like my favorite. I, I, <laughs> you know, I think uh, one of my, um, one of the, I, one of the policies that I'm most proud of that we worked so hard on was modernizing the nutrition facts label for packaged foods that really reflected the latest science and the most relevant nutrition information, a refreshed design that was really an effort to provide families with the information they need to make healthy choices. And that's something that it's, that was, that's what you're going to see in the majority of, I think it was 700,000 packages. Mm-hmm. You're going to see this label and think about that lasting impact. Like, okay, and families, you see this information and help you make this healthy choice. So that's, that's one that just resonates deeply. Another, of course, is the updating of the school nutrition standards and the work that we did through the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act mm-hmm. and everything we did to continue to push to protect those standards. Because the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, and that was the first time in 15 years that the nutrition standards were updated and the first time in 30 years that there was an increase in funding. Wow. And that was just such a menu, monumental piece of legislation. But on top of that, Beyond the the healthier school meals, one piece of it that not many people are fully aware of is that it ensured that any food or beverage marketed to children at at school met nutrition standards. Yeah. And that is absolutely key to ensure that the marketing meets the the nutrition education needs. And then so that that's that's one of the biggest pieces too that we always consistently worked on was around marketing, which is at the time we had also worked on uh, launching this F and B initiative with the Partnership for Healthy America to encourage healthy eating. And it was all about harnessing the power of celebrities to deliver a healthy dose of advertising, you know, so you're basically marketing for health, which is absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with with Drink Up, which was the campaign to encourage 
help more drinking of water. And then one of the other um, pieces that I think doesn't necessarily get lifted up um, nearly enough is the work that we did around, it's, it was an initiative called Let's Move Cities, Towns, and Counties. Mm-hmm. And it was just really tremendous because we worked with local elected officials in building out healthier communities. And one in four Americans benefited from this program because there were 81 million people that were in those elected officials' districts that were engaged in some form of Let's Move programming. And that was such a tremendous program over you know eight years of efforts of really getting access to to tools to ensure healthier living environments. Um, another item, of course, is my plate, which was a really great evolution of the pyramid uh, mm-hmm. so that there are icons that made it easier to understand the five food groups so people can make healthier choices. Um, and then there's, along this whole way, I think one thing that a lot of people think about for the first lady as well is like she's as most iconic and uh, I know active first lady is everything she did around encouraging physical activity and making it fun and making it accessible and what she did so many incredible events on the South Lawn and one of them that's very <laughs> I have such so many happy warm and fuzzy feelings mm-hmm. about is when we um, we had a Girl Scout camp out in the backyard the of the White House awesome. in the South Lawn <laughs> and it was pretty darn incredible <laughs> and it was it was to celebrate every kid in the park that um, you know fourth graders nation ride had a free entry into all the nation's parks and I have to tell you it's just it was one of the coolest events ever at the White House as we had these such insanely adorable Girl Scouts parked and the, you know, camped out in the, in the South Lawn and the president of First Lady came out and they sang camp songs together. And we, it was just such a, such a beautiful, beautiful moment of really, again, just encouraging kids to get outside and be active. Oh, that's amazing. God, so many incredible moments incredible memories and, and, you know, a ton of work that it, you guys like ran right through the finish line, um, you know, in terms of the policies and programs that you were working to put in place and, and to, um, you know, bring to life. So, and I, I don't want to like be a downer, but I, I have to ask, um, <laughs> where are we now? What, you know, with, where is the food movement? You need to think about all of the work that you and, and, um, everyone kind of before you in the administration and what every, everything was happening from all stakeholders during that time frame. like wh- what happened basically, um, with this new administration and where are we in terms of a movement today? You know, it's, it's a good question. I think it's, I think that the, I think we came, I think that we really became a little complacent Mm -hmm. as a movement. Um, We were taking it a little for granted where, where we were advancing when it came to various policies. And I think now we have kind of like woken up a little bit around what we need to do to ensure we continue to have progress. And whether that goes from the farm bill to child nutrition authorization to the local policies to local food policy councils, we can't we can't ever let up. When we if we want to achieve the goals, the incredible goals that we have around a sustainable food system, a more equitable food system, we can't ever let up. It is a it is where we can we have to double down. Mm-hmm. And when you start to see progress, that is when you don't let up. Right. <laughs> that right. is when you. 
that right that is when you actually excel and like you 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 push harder on the gas and i think what we're seeing is like oh we're seeing some progress Mm -hmm. you're like okay it's working let's go on to the next sexy thing and it's like no 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 you gotta if things are working this is when you're like you've got to keep evaluating dig deeper what part of it is working best which which population is receiving what message better what what policy is actually what how do we improve it what does this look like and i think what we have to really do is 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 like really re-energize the base and realize that like if we this is the time this is the moment mm-hmm. for us to really continue to dig down deep and figure out like we really want to ensure that we have a generation of kids that live longer than their parents right that we actually achieve the obesity goals that we set out for 2030 we have got to push mm-hmm. and we've got to be innovative and we've got to come up with new partnerships and we've got to be more demanding about what that looks like and that includes the private sector. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the movement, this is where it comes to with, for example, Slow Food Nations working with Denone North America. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that we've all got to be in this together. We have all have to play our role in ensuring that we're doing what we can to ensure a healthy people and a healthy planet. We're going to take a really quick commercial break and hear a word from our sponsors right now. Um, but we'll be back soon. So stay tuned. Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. And we're back on Eating Matters, where today I'm speaking with Deb Eschmeyer, currently the VP of Communications and Community Affairs at Danone North America, which is the presenting sponsor at this year's Slow Food Nations event on July 13th through 15th in Denver, Colorado. Okay, so you, so you, you know, when the administration ended, you took a position in Denon, North America. Um, what I mean, you think about a lot of the work that you did with administration around marketing to kids and um, you know, nutrition facts panel, and a lot of these initiatives affect, or you know, maybe or not maybe, definitely attempt to regulate some um, major consumer packaged goods companies. So I'm wondering, you know, kind of how that played with your decision to go work at a consumer packaged goods company, um, you know, and why, yeah, why you made that decision to specifically work at Danone. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've, I think a lot of people are, and we feel very lucky when you can ask yourself, you know, what am I most uniquely qualified to do? You know, where am I, what can I do to make a real difference? Mm-hmm. And one of the the blessings of working in public service and working in the White House was that I got really used to working on a large scale. Mm-hmm. I got used to looking at policies that are impacting whether it would be 50 million kids or whether it would be 45 million Americans on SNAP. And it was always looking at those policies from that perspective. And so when I was leaving the administration, I was like, okay, where can I go that I can continue to make a difference at this scale. You're like, that is that is what drives. You're that's, like, that's what's, what drives me? What's what's going to top this? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I care so deeply, and I want to be like, I want to keep figuring this out. And so that's just it. And I looked at it, and I I was looking at it, all these companies, and I looked at Danone. And I was like, wow, Danone's mission is to bring health through food. 
to as many people as possible. And I was like, wow, that's really similar to my personal mission statement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is, this is incredible. Like let's, and then I found out that they were pursuing this, this B Corp status. Mm -hmm. And at the time when I joined the company, they were already the largest public benefit corporation in the United States and the top organic manufacturer in the U S and so I was like, oh, my gosh, if I, I want to be part of this B Corp journey. I, this, this sounds incredible. Like, I want to know what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And, and I had really dug into the founding, actually, of Danone. Like, I, I was like, I want to know, like, where this all started from. And what blew my mind was, like, back in the 70s, the founder, Antoine Rabot, had, give, had given this speech about the dual project, about how business has the responsibility of doing something larger. And he was this incredible pioneer of corporate social responsibility. And this has continued to our current CEO, Emmanuel Faber, who, who it's, I mean, it's beautiful. He talks about food as a human right, not a commodity. And he, we added as a corporate signature One Planet, One Health back in July of 2017 because we were like, we are all in. Like our, our goal is truly to prove that business can be a force for good and that we do have a social responsibility. And that's where you can draw passion into the mission, whether you're working in a CPG or whether you're working in a nonprofit, to, to really ensure that you're working to better the food movement. And so your role at the company, um, I mean, can you tell us just um, first about, like, corporate structures can be a little bit opaque. So where are you, you know, kind (laughs) of, I mean, I find, you know, where are you kind of within, you know, the the North American segment? And what are some maybe common products, like, um, that we would, you know, that we come across every day for people who might not initially kind of recognize the name? I think of, like, yogurt, but, um, and baby formula, but I'm sure there's a lot more. that I'm missing. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course, so I am the vice president of communications and community affairs. So this means that I help to work on external and internal communications and lead our public benefit strategy. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the products that people would be more familiar with would be Silk, Horizon, mm-hmm. Earthbound, uh, Oikos, okay. um, Danimals, uh, Vega, uh, I should have done this in alphabetical order, so I'm not missing no. <laughs> any. So delicious. <laughs> and so it's just an incredible suite of products that were both dairy and plant-based. Mm-hmm. And because truly it's, it's meeting the needs of, of consumers. And it's, you know, over 50% of our portfolio is organic and non-GMO project ver- verified. Mm-hmm. And it's really demonstrating where we are and, again, meeting the consumers' needs and desires for what they want to feed their families. And then, and for where Genoa North America is too, is the, the pursuit of the B Corp certification was something that we had a goal for actually for 2020. Mm-hmm. And we accomplished it within one year because we knew this was, it was something that truly unified us together as a company because it's something we dearly believed in. That was just what we believe was right. And proving that, that again, like business is a force for good. And what is, can you just explain what a B Corp is and um, how that affects your, your work? Just so the gen, like the, what is a certification? Yeah, of course. Um, so certified B corporations have to meet the highest standards of overall social and environmental performance. Mm-hmm. Transparency and accountability, and so B Lab is a nonprofit organization that is responsible for the B Impact Assessment and for the B Corp certification process. So they certified Genome North America as an outside validator, and we had to answer. I believe we had to answer. It was 
I think it was 1,500 questions total. Um, wow. And there's, yeah, it's a very, it's a very it's rigorous, a long application. Very, very rigorous process. <laughs> um, but really, you know, it's, it's a fascinating process because to become certified, so we have to, one, complete the in impact assessment and earn a minimum score of 80 out of 200. Mm-hmm. And we then become audited by B-Lab. And then two, we determine the path of our corporate structure. We're already a public benefit corporation, so we are doing that. And then you sign this declaration of interdependence around public benefit and and profit. And so the the part of this that a lot of people are like, what does the B stand for? Because B Corp's only 10 years old. So the B stands for Be the Change, which was inspired by Gandhi's famous invitation that we must be the change we seek in the world. Mm-hmm. And it also stands for better business, best for the world, benefits for all stakeholders. And it's really actually a, a call to action. And so for us, as like, as you know, North America, it has really inspired us to be like, together we will be, you know, this, mm-hmm. so it takes on different in different different ways of thinking. So it can like be inspired, be innovative, be disruptive, be responsible. Mm-hmm. Like, and for us, it's all about like, how can, again, how can we be better? When, as, as to know North America, where we have this incredible responsibility to ensure that we're, we're feeding and supplying nourishment to families, you're constantly telling, you're pushing yourself every step of the way, okay, how do you make sure that you're looking at every aspect of your supply chain to, to, to have a less of environmental impact? How do you ensure you have the best governance possible? What are we doing to, what are we doing to ensure that our employee base has um, it's, it's all living wage and like, what are we doing for benefits? So it's constantly pushing ourselves to be better. And so one of your, one of your initiatives, Oh, thank you by the way for that, because I, I, yeah, um, no problem. Don't, I personally don't know a lot about the, the certification and um, I'm, you know, you start to see it popping up and I was surprised when I saw it with, um, you know, that Danone was um, B Corp certified because I usually associate it with some smaller brands. So it's quite impressive mm-hmm. that like such a huge company um, was able to gain that status. Um, okay, so in thinking about, you know, some of the work that you're doing um, right now, you are um, really active in this Slow Food Nations conference as the primary sponsor. So can you tell us a little bit about what is Slow Food Nations um, and what made you decide to partner with them? Yeah, of course. So Slow Food Nations is going to be in Denver this July 13th to 15th, and they were here in Denver last year as well. And this is kind of a going home for me because mm-hmm. I was at the Slow Food Terra Madre back in 2008 in Turin, Italy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really awesome to be in the place where, you know, North America can be a presenting sponsor for Slow Food. And really, it's our role is supporting the overall festival. You know, it's about helping to shift the conversation around food and inspiring people to really continue to create change for good, clean, fair food. And so... It's a the, the what is so great about Slow Food Nations is that it's it's bringing people together to have complex conversations. Mm-hmm. We're there to connect, add our voice about the future of food, and to to get inspired, but also to break things down. You know, where are we with the with the, where where are we with food policy? You know, mm-hmm. where are we with with you know with we're eliminating hunger? Where are we with the the investments in this, in this, this space, you know, whether it's from technology to supply chain advancements, 
what, you know, it's, it's opening up the entire dialogue of where we are with the food system mm-hmm. with some of the most inspiring and, and advanced folks in the system. And this is everyone from, you know, you have Ben Burkett to Rick Bayless, Ann Cooper, Woody Tesh, Raj Patel, John Eichard, Rowan White. I mean, just like unbelievable leaders Roster, in yeah. this space who are coming to share. And the beauty of it I love the most is that you just bring together all these people, you, some that you, you know, you've never met before, and you, you spark up the conversation about why they care. Mm-hmm. Why are they here? What, what gets them up that this is what they believe in and, and are and, and truly making a difference and trying to do something better every day to advance the food system? And what does that look like to them? And, and having that, that it's, very, it's very similar to how much I love like, what you're doing with podcasts, right? You're opening up this dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to do it in, in person, <laughs> if possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and next time, that, Deb, next time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, no, we'll, we're, we're in person next time. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're bringing together all of these thought leaders, it sounds like. What are, and, and you are leading a particular part of the festival. So what, what will that be? Yes. So I am leading the Food for Change Leader Summit. So all, it's on Friday, July 13th. It's around 500 people. And we're going to be having these deep dive conversations and and really, again, going into for the day, challenging conversations around how we how we're taking food policy to the next level. What are we doing in some of the areas that are the most challenging, and and what is that what does that look like for the continued evolution of of the food system? And of course, across this entire way, we're going to be eating delicious yes. food. <laughs> and so let's not forget that part. Mm-hmm. And there's cooking demonstrations and, and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's also going deep. And we're talking again, talking about food equity and talking about access. We're talking about we're going to be talking about what it means to be a B Corp and how what's how is that different for a food company? We're going to talk about sustainability. We're going to talk about sustainable fish. We're going to talk about um, bee. You know, what are we doing for bees and for this the sustainability around. Um, various forms of food production when it comes to sustainability, water rights. And, and what, what I love about it, too, is that it, it's pushing to have all of the diverse voices mm-hmm. at the table. Right. So it's, we're going to hear from chefs and farmers and food advocates and, and big CPG companies and, and foundations and policymakers and decision makers and sitting at the table together and to, to truly con- advance the conversation and what I what I love about this is when we don't necessarily agree. I like right. it when there's 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 pieces of it where it's where it's again pushing us to think a little differently about how we can be smarter and and more advanced in advance in where we're going with the food system. Yeah, because it's not always you know, or I would say it's pretty rare when you get you know all of those different players together in one room, right? That doesn't happen very often. Um, and so it seems like a great opportunity. So one of the, I mean, festivals are for sure. And, and, you know, any kind of festival or conference or whatever, um, you know, what, you know, you think, I think festival, I think the, the part of that is like the food and the experiences and the cooking demonstrations. And, you know, that, that is part of slow food nations. But when I say like, it's not really a conference, but you know, when you, when you get these leaders in a room and you are talking about these like really pressing complex, um, issues, 
Um, that's sort of what I meant by, by conference. But anyway, so you're, you're getting everyone together mm-hmm. in a room and it's amazing because you get to have these conversations. Some of them are hard. Some of them are, um, energizing. Um, but the, the real work happens, right? When you, when you leave the room. So I guess, so my question as a facilitator, um, as a person kind of leading this, this, um, aspect of the, of the festival, like what, how are you going to address, um, you know, address the, the the group and say like okay you get like we're going to take this to the next level like we're, everyone's going to go and dig into this work like how will you kind of hold, uh, hold them accountable to do that um as opposed to you know to make I, sure I those love that <laughs> i'm like what are the next steps deb <laughs> it's so good no because i think that's so much of it like i i i, I don't convene for convening sake I, I think like you've got to have action associated with these conversations and i I'm loving this question because I think it goes to, I love to challenge people at the end of a, of either a conversation or a day of gathering, be like, okay, now what, what are we each committing to and making everybody vocalize? What is it? What are you doing differently? And what are you committing to right now based off of today's conversation? Mm -hmm. And I want to see either post on social media. So there's accountability, send it to 10 of your colleagues to hold you accountable that you're going to actually follow up with this, you know, and that's, that is exactly where it's at. Mm-hmm. That is where we ha- that is where change exists is that we have got to set internal deadlines. We've got to push ourselves to to be more bold and look at where we can make those changes. And that is, and that's where I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna add that as at, at the end of every session, I'm gonna give a you know, shout out to, to Jenna from Heritage Radio <laughs> Network for this. And we're like, and now we're all gonna proclaim like, how are we holding ourselves accountable? I, I love it. I love it. You can, you can be like, Jenna is giving you this homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, awesome. So we have just time for a couple more um, questions, but I want to just um, shift back to, like, if you, you know, you think about kind of the next – um, I mean, actually, I, I, I want to talk about, like, kind of key learnings. If this is a bit of a – difficult question but if you would you know kind of like look at your career in terms of like your work um in the advocacy nonprofit space government now private sector like what are some of the kind of key learn learnings and um you know takeaways that you have gotten from each of those experiences it's sort of like yeah, advice no, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a good question you know i i think um Key learnings have, have been to, one, challenge assumptions. I think that it's too easy for us to put um, people or organizations into buckets and not see where there might be areas of alignment that we could work on together. Mm-hmm. And so, one, I would, I would go towards really encourage. That's where it gets to encouraging ourselves to look at creative ways of working together to advance the work. Mm-hmm. I think another is, is really celebrating progress when we have it. I think that was something that, whether it was working on the farm and, you know, knowing I wasn't going to get all the weeds out of the carrot field, <laughs> um, to, to looking at the progress on what we did for, for the child nutrition to to what we were doing with the nutrition back panel, knowing that, you know, even if some people didn't think this was the ideal, what's actually this is incredible progress over what, what was accomplished in, you know, what X years of time, whatever it was that we're working on, and truly acknowledging it, celebrating it, and then setting those new paths, you know, goals for moving forward. I think one of the other 
pieces that I've learned. And this is actually, you know, some would say it's just quite obvious, but I, I've learned that you have got to express gratitude to the people who have dedicated so much time and effort to getting the work done and taking the time to thank the people who have made your progress possible. And this might be either a letter to your local official, it might be a letter to your boss, it might be a letter to your, um, it could be a letter to someone who you see at the farmer's market every Saturday. Like taking that time to express that gratitude mm-hmm. fuels the movement, right? It fuels the energy of like what I'm doing makes a difference mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to dig deep. That has carried out across every sector of my work that I, I just, I don't feel like we, we just cannot take for granted. And this gets to um, even the work that I'm doing now, even with Slow Food, mm-hmm. where one of the very first people that I met in the Slow Food world at the time in 2008 was Jerusha Klumper, mm-hmm. who ends up then being a co you know, co-founder of Food Corps, who is now one of my dearest and closest friends and one of the best communicators in the, mm-hmm. in the food world. And, 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 and realizing that so much of the work that we do is based off of relationships. And we're, here we are every day working on our relationship to food, but it's also our relationship to each other and how we, how we treat each other as, as, this, as humanity, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think that so much of this is, is, is how is, is that constant drumbeat of building. And like you said, my theme has been partnerships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sum that up really well. Yeah. And I think that it all goes to being really challenging each other, but being kind to each other the whole pathway. And, and, and again, and working together. And that's one thing where, and where, again, when I think about the work that we're doing coming forward here with the Solution Nations Conference, why it's so critical for all of us to come together and break bread together. That is the beauty of it. It's, it, is, it is the beauty of understanding the relationship to the food, but also our relationship to each other. Um, okay, so in thinking about homework, right, <laughs> um, to carry on that theme, what is, you know, what is the homework or your kind of call to action for everyone listening today um, when we look at you know, the, the various issues facing challenges, facing our food system, like what, um, what can we do right now to get involved and get active? Yeah, I, I, for folks to get active involved now, I, I would challenge for those listening to volunteer, to get engaged, to do something. I would challenge that those that are listening to get involved and in being a proactive, helpful contributor to whatever that it is for them that they care so deeply about. You know, whether, whether again, it's whether it's climate change or nutrition or health and wellness, find that entity that you can get engaged with. And it could be your local government. It could be your local business. It can be your, the, the nonprofit or what have you that's near you, but find a way to get involved beyond reading on listservs and being engaged on social media, mm-hmm. the way that changes happen is when you do something, you stand up, you get involved. And that is what I challenge people to actually take the time to, to, do, to, to engage. And 
and everybody has different passions. It's why it's like, go to what like drives you mm-hmm. to do more. And that's, and that's why I encourage those that are listening to, to figure out what, like what their drumbeat is and, and go out there and, and to actually get engaged. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there for now. But um, Deb, I, I, for one, am grateful for all of the work that you have done and continue to do um, to change our food system for the better. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and chatting. Oh, well, thank you. And I know we could talk for, for hours, yes. but I, I really appreciate what you do. And I hope we get to see each other soon. Absolutely. Next time in person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Deb. Thank right. you. Yeah, Take care. You too. Okay. For more information about the Slow Food Nations Festival, go to slowfoodnations.org. And if you're in the Denver area on July 13th through 15th, definitely check it out. It's going to be delicious. I want to um, also, before we wrap up, remind everybody that it's the annual summer fun drive here at HRN. We are trying to raise $25,000 before July 31st. Um, One thing that you can do that would be amazing is to set up a monthly recurring donation that will help you support HRN throughout the year. For just $5 a month, you can get an individual membership, or for $10 a month, you can get a household membership. Um, And doing so will help us make sure that we have a bright future here at Heritage Radio Network. So go to heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate. I also want to give a big thanks to our sponsors for our gener- for their generous support. And as always, huge thanks to my fabulous engineer, Matt Patterson. Show music is by Tim Archer. And all episodes of Eating Matters are available on the Heritage Radio Network website or as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and let us know what you think. I'm Jenna Liute, and thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.